The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about health care. It's a difficult subject in today's world. Health care reform has stirred up a lot of anxiety in people. My guest today is Dr. Laurelyn Green, and she's going to help us demystify the process of educating ourselves about the recent changes and showing us what benefits health care reform offers us. Let me tell you a bit more about Dr. Green. Healthcare is actually a second career for her. She originally obtained a BA in philosophy, ever the practical degree, from Vassar College. Her early life was dedicated to performing arts. Her first career was as a modern dance choreographer and producer in New York City and Europe. Through a part-time job, As a movement therapist, she discovered a love of healing. She changed careers, went to medical school at Columbia University, and followed that with an internal medicine residency at New York Cornell Hospital. After residency, she returned home to Orange County, California, and began practice as a hospitalist. A hospitalist is an internal medicine physician who is dedicated to caring for sick and injured hospitalized patients. Through this work, she developed a deep appreciation of a person and a family's vulnerability during illness while in the hospital and particularly in the transition home. Toward this end, she began to develop programs which aimed to smooth that transition, particularly for seniors such that people can return home, access resources and information they need at home, and heal at home. In her current roles, she balances clinical time in the hospital with continued development of patient-oriented programs. She also leads a rapidly growing team of hospitalist physicians. Dr. Green's goal is for all to deliver sensitive, intelligent, high-quality care in the hospital and smooth the path toward a safe transition back home. That sounds like the kind of care that all of us would like to receive. So welcome, Dr. Green. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thank you. I'm so glad you could make time for us. Um, I know it sounds to me like you've had a really interesting transition and have had radically different ways of working with the body. And what was that transition like for you? 
Well, uh, as a young person and as a young adult, um, I was very involved in in dance, in in other performing arts, but primarily in dance, which is a lovely discipline and a very, very difficult career. Uh, At the same time, uh, I had the great opportunities to have that early career in New York City uh, and also in Europe, primarily working uh, in Italy in my early 20s. At a time, however, as I reached 30, I began to realize that I had a a vision for myself uh, that was a little bit different. At the time, I was living and working in New York City, And as you pointed out, I had a part-time job doing movement therapy uh, with individuals. And through that one-on-one work in looking at the way people moved their bodies, the way they used their bodies, where they were having pain, where they were having limitations in their function and in their quality of life due to that pain or injury, Uh, a light bulb came on for me and I thought, I think that I have a future in working with people and with the body uh, that is a little bit different than my history as as a performer and as a dancer myself. I had the opportunity to speak to a number of uh, physician friends and, and colleagues of mine at that time, and, and they really encouraged me to pursue medicine. Uh, so I, I took the proverbial leap, uh, went back mm-hmm. and did some pre, pre-med courses, which I hadn't taken as an undergraduate, and uh, one step, taking one step at a time, uh, Next thing I knew, I was enrolled in Columbia and, and fully engaged on the way to becoming a physician. Wow. Have you ever looked back? Well, of course. <laughs> uh, not with regret. Okay, uh, good. <laughs> uh, you know, dance uh, was something that was very much part of my youth, part of my young adulthood. I'm thrilled to have had the opportunity to have been a professional dancer, to have those experiences. Uh, I have an artistic sensibility, I think, by nature, and, and I continue to have that, and I, I believe I bring that into my, my work and my life every day. Uh, but, you know, dance is something that, that is best done when young, at least in the oh. professional world. Um, yeah. So uh, sometimes I miss that feeling uh, flying through the air, which I can mm. no longer do. <laughs> but uh, it, w- it was a rich and wonderful experience, and I think it also continues to inform the work that I do uh, now and will continue to do so. I'm sure it gives you a, a different perspective from which to view your patients and um, something that maybe not everyone shares. Uh, that's, um, I think that's right. I think that, you know, uh, from a practical point of view, having had the opportunity to have a career in a non-scientific field, in a non-medical uh, field, I have had many experiences that perhaps others haven't, although, you know, all of us bring unique things to our practice, and, and mm-hmm. certainly that's true with medicine as well. Uh, I think for me, particularly in the work that I did as a movement therapist, uh, that's when the light bulb came on for me that I have an inclination as a healer mm-hmm. uh, that I didn't really recognize when I was dancing and when I was uh, in the theater mm-hmm. world. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was that, uh, that sense of myself as a healer uh, which was the bridge between the two. And that, that persists, and that, of course, is something that I continue to, 
try to grow and cultivate in myself every day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, that's certainly a beautiful bridge. And, um, you know, as, as we get into the, the topic of sort of the ABCs of healthcare, and you, you look at that identity as a healer, do you see positive changes coming our way and, and opportunities for furthering that role as healer? I do. I do. I see it both for myself individually, and I also see it uh, for healthcare in America. Uh, there is a great deal of change afoot in in medicine and healthcare in the United States. Uh, a lot of attention to it in the press, and I think uh, one of the things that all of us may fear or feel anxiety about is change. Mm-hmm. Uh, change can bring anxiety in people, the sense of unknown, what's ahead. Uh, sometimes there's a sense that uh, one will lose, we'll lose what we have now, and we want to right. hold on to that. So I think that is very normal and natural, both in individuals and also across the nation, uh, some anxiety about changes afoot. But the good news is that, you know, speaking from the point of view of a of a practitioner within healthcare, and as a uh, person who's involved in many of the the programs that are being developed, uh, I can represent that much of what is happening is actually very, very positive, and creating change for the good, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, the, with more opportunities, more services. Uh, so I, I feel very strongly about that. Well, and I think you you do have a, a unique point of view f- in terms of you are in the hospital, and for most of us, we are not aware of any of those changes until we wind up in your emergency room or <laughs> we're admitted. And so we don't have a way of knowing what those positive changes are from the outside. Mm-hmm. That, that's absolutely the case. Um, the... Uh, you know, I think I think it is a very human thing. Uh, we are all uh, afraid of pain. We're all afraid of suffering. Um, we're certainly all uh, afraid uh, of death, um, both in ourselves and in our loved ones. And so uh, discussing those things, addressing those things, being knowledgeable about what's happening in healthcare is something I think we, we naturally avoid. In addition to which, you know, healthcare is complex, and I will say, even as a as a physician myself, when I am in the position of helping one of my loved ones negotiate through the system, whether it's the hospital, whether it's uh, health insurance, Medicare, it's extremely complex. So, yes. and and historically, I think. Um, We've taken many things for for granted about our physicians, about our hospitals, and that's changing now, and I think it creates an opportunity for all of us as Americans to become more empowered, not only about our health, but also about our health care, and I find that very exciting. Right. I think that that certainly can be exciting, but uh, I think it's, uh, as you mentioned, it starts out being a little bit scary. And I think people are just now beginning to get the idea that this is something they do need to take care of, that they do need to educate themselves about. Because as you say, in the past, everyone just took it for granted because there were certain things that seemed to be in common for most uh, healthcare 
providers or insurance carriers or whatever it may be. And that is certainly not the case in today's world. Correct. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So um, how do you suggest people begin to educate themselves? There are a couple of things that I advise uh, my patients, my friends, my family about. The first is with regard to your health care insurance. In, in many situations where we're consumers, we do research about a car we might purchase. We do research about a kitchen appliance. It's very, very critical for people to do research about the health care insurance product that their employer offers them uh, or that they are obtaining individually so that all of us know what our health care insurance pays for and, and what it doesn't, what the mm-hmm. co-pays are, what the deductibles are, uh, what Medicare services are provided and which are not. I will tell you very often, and it's somewhat heartbreaking in the hospital, particularly with senior patients, that uh, they're not aware, families are not aware that certain services that they had assumed would be covered are mm-hmm. not covered, and now it's a, somewhat of an emergency situation, and people have to mobilize their resources very quickly. I really mm-hmm. advocate for, for for all of us knowing what is covered and knowing what is not, so that ahead of time we can uh, learn where we may need to provide extra resources in the case of of um, illness or accident for particularly for our seniors for seniors yes well we're getting ready to to go to a short break now and maybe when we return we can talk some more about some of the specifics and the nuts and bolts that i know a lot of people that i see really have no awareness of Mm -hmm. so we are going to take a short break and we'll be right back with my guest dr laurellen green your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. How do you achieve balance in your life? Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other, time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with K.D. Marley, which is made up of two people, K. Mar and D. Lee. 
The hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage. The show can help you, too. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are speaking today with Dr. Laurelyn Green. She's a physician, hospitalist, and medical director of inpatient services at Memorial Care Medical Group. And she's helping us understand the benefits of the Affordable Care Act and changes in health care. And one of the things, Dr. Green, that I have questions about that I see with my patients over and over and over again is that they really sometimes don't even know the very basics. Um, like, how do they begin to educate themselves about what is a deductible? What is a copay? Um, sometimes they're, in my case, their policies that deal with mental health are separated out from the general policy. And so it may have a separate deductible or separate copays. And it's really very overwhelming, I think. They don't know what is an EPO versus a PPO. Those kinds of things. How, how do how would you suggest they begin to deal with that? This is an excellent question and an excellent point, uh, Linda, because the insurance products are very complex and they continue to change. You know, the HMO product of fifteen years ago is different than the HMO product uh, of today. The PPO product, Medicare coverage. So there is information available certainly on the the Internet. What I would say very simply is that insurance plans are divided into senior plans and what we call commercial plans. Uh, So for for people who are Medicare eligible, age 65 and older, and then uh, 64 uh, and younger. So that's that's the general way that um, health insurance products are divided. With the Medicare uh, um, insurance products, there is what we call the traditional Medicare uh, that uh, everybody who is over 65 uh, U.S. citizens qualifies for. And that is the most like what we would call a PPO product for the under 65. Uh, It is uh, a a product where a patient may see uh, any Medicare provider uh, doesn't need to go through a primary caregiver. In opposition to that, there is what is the Medicare Advantage uh, health insurance product, which is a Medicare HMO uh, product that is most similar to the commercial HMOs. And I'll talk a little bit about what the difference then between those are. Traditionally, the HMO health insurance product uh, is designed to coordinate care. And the, the design of that is that the care will be coordinated through the p- primary care provider 
in addition to uh, an ancillary team of case managers. What uh, a great deal of the work that I've done in the past two or three years and that we're seeing across the country is to ramp up the availability of services that coordinate care and not leaving that responsibility entirely to the primary care provider. The uh, the old idea of the primary care provider as the gatekeeper through which all patients mm-hmm. had to pass to say see a cardiologist or to mm-hmm. go to rehab, that is still in the design of the model. But what is increasingly available to the Medicare Advantage or Medicare HMO patients are Uh, post-hospital services, pharmacy services, at-home services. And in in the best practices, the best hospitals and medical groups, what's happening now is there is a great deal of communication between all the members of the team, the pharmacist, the social worker, the primary care physician, the hospital team, so that a patient really receives uh, the most intensive coordinated care possible. And excuse me for interrupting, but is that like across the board um, product wise, like if you buy one plan versus another plan, is that sort of a typical part of each one? Uh, Under Medicare Advantage? Yes. Yes. yes, Okay. Yes, it is. So that's Uh, something people should expect. It is, it is absolutely something people should expect. So if you are a senior who has a Medicare Advantage plan, you should fully expect um, these services. Now, I will tell you that out here in the, in the healthcare field, we are in the process of developing many of these services that haven't existed before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where a great deal of the work is, is coming. And across the country, there are certain groups, certain hospitals that are already doing this very, very well, and others that still have it in development. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, as a, as a Medicare Advantage patient, regardless of which health plan you have, you are entitled to those coordinated care services, and that's something to, to ask your provider a, about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. In, in the traditional Medicare, what we call Medicare fee-for-service, the older model where uh, you see a cardiologist, perhaps a pulmonologist, um, cared for in the hospital, the coordination of care uh, is not central to that. It, it tends to be a little bit more fractured care, okay. although it does, in principle, uh, offer people the ability to really see whomever uh, is a Medicare provider uh, and to go to a hospital that is a Medicare provider, which all, all hospitals are Medicare providers for the mm-hmm. most part. For the most part, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And then if we talk about the non-seniors, um, for you know those of us who are, are not yet 65 and Medicare mm-hmm. eligible, it's a similar thing. The HMO product uh, has evolved a great deal over the past 20 years so that uh, when enrolled in an HMO product, you have the opportunity to have a care manager, a social worker, some cases. For example, in my group, we have a post-hospital clinic that is staffed by a nurse practitioner, supervised by a physician, pharmacist, social worker, nurses, for a one-hour visit after your hospitalization so you can sit down with that 
bag of medications you got and all those pieces mm-hmm. of paper and, and, and mm-hmm. sort it all sort it all out and ask the questions and review the medications and what should I be doing and what should I not be doing and oh this medication has been in my my medicine cabinet for a year what should I do with mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. you know and, it's because it's complicated I mean it, it doesn't matter how old you are I think when you come home from the hospital and you have your instructions and you have your, your medicine and your follow-up care and maybe you're not feeling the best to start with um, it's hard to figure it all out it it absolutely is it absolutely is and and frankly uh, for all the really tremendously wonderful things we do in american healthcare uh, the tremendous technology the specialists the knowledge this after hospital care has been a bit of a black hole as i like to say mm-hmm. and in trying to create solutions that's actually how i uh, made the transition from being a pure practicing physician to also being a, a medical director and taking the lead to create some programs so that that period of being home from the hospital can be demystified so you have some support, somebody to call, uh, as a bridge to going back to your primary care doctor who will be very happy to see you but doesn't have the wherewithal and all of the resources in the form of a social worker or a pharmacist to help answer your questions and demystify things. So we, uh, as I said, our program, our our organization recently launched a a program and some similar programs, and I know these are starting to happen around the country. It's a a wonderful benefit and fills a a great need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it, it... Is rough. Sometimes it's even hard if you're not in the hospital, but you have whatever medical issues and you're trying to struggle to figure out what care do I need and what is it that my doctor said and when do I take this medicine? You know, it's a challenge. And and if you're struggling on your own, I think it's really hard for people. You know, and one of the things that you said, I don't know if this is a good time to ask this question or not, but let me throw it out there. Um, One of the things that you had mentioned um, earlier um, was about people having personal goals for medical care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, that's a new idea. I've never quite heard that before. Mm -hmm. And it makes perfect sense, just like what you said about, well, you research a car. Why do we not research our health care policies? And how, how would you frame that for people, a personal goal for medical care? Uh, absolutely. And, and it goes back to uh, we're living our lives, we're, <clears throat> pardon me, we're engaged in our lives, we're busy with our jobs and our families, and uh, we don't want to think about sickness, we don't want to think about illness, we certainly don't want to think about death. But ultimately, as mortals, as human beings, all of those things are, are coming so in addition to understanding the the healthcare product, there is a movement uh, that's gaining energy in the United States about advanced care planning. Mm-hmm. And it, it has different names, but the idea is that well before any of us need emergency care, well before any of us are in the ER or uh, facing a difficult diagnosis and increasing suffering, if we take the opportunity to sit with our family and loved ones and and talk about our goals, uh, how we want to live the end of our days as it approaches, uh, what are our personal goals, what are our financial goals, 
do we want to uh, continue aggressive care until uh, a disease is very advanced? Or perhaps a person might say, you know, I really at a certain point really want to be comfortable and be at home among loved ones. Mm-hmm. They are difficult discussions to have. The good news is that there are increasing resources, uh, both at the, the level of the primary care doctor, but also on the Internet. Dr. Atul Gawande, as you may know, recently published a book um, addressing this that gives us tools to have these difficult discussions ahead of time. And then I would add it's very important to formalize those conversations in the form of designating a health care proxy, designating a durable power of attorney, mm-hmm. having what's called a POLST, a physician orders for life-sustaining therapies. Mm-hmm. And all of these are, are documents. They're legal documents. Um, they can be done with a, a notary uh, after, after discussion with, with the appropriate people. And none of these are irrevocable. None of these, mm-hmm. you know, you're not signing anything away here. Mm-hmm. It's not what, etched in stone. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's yeah. a document mm-hmm. that says we have had these conversations. This is what our wishes are right now. And, you know, you, you carry, around, carry them around like, a, like your will or like your mm-hmm. trust. Uh, mm-hmm. And I will tell you uh, from my practice that the individuals and the families who have had these discussions ahead of time, difficult as they may be and who've made decisions about healthcare proxy and uh, advanced directives and whether or not a person wants cardiopulmonary resuscitation, CPR mm-hmm. or not, without exception, when those families and those individuals are in, in the ER and the hospital, it's still difficult, of course, but mm-hmm. it is so much less difficult. So much There's less difficult. That's, uh, I think that's such a key point for people. And, and maybe after our break, we can, we can follow up on that a little bit more. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Laurelyn Green. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to Embrace Your Inner Self and Empower Yourself with host Sangeeta Patel. This is the show you've been waiting for. It's about moving forward with relationships, money, emotional healing, and meditation. How do you remove energy blockages from your body? You'll learn about this as well as exploring how the yin and yang works to balance your life. Sangeeta and her guests are here to discuss your personal blueprint to a better life. Listen Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? 
Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching Program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's DrSanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We're speaking with Dr. Laurelyn Green about the specifics of healthcare and the changes in recent healthcare reform uh, in our country. And then also, how does one educate oneself and what are the things that really need to be done? prior to winding up in, in the hospital. And I think, um, Dr. Green, you were just making a, a really important point about how much less difficult, not easy, but less difficult hospitalizations can be, especially um, when we're a little older or dealing with our loved ones who are a little older, when the conversations about personal choice and personal goals for healthcare have have been held before the emergency. Absolutely. And, and I really cannot stress it enough. Uh, there are times, so many times, when in my practice in the hospital, a very elderly person who has been perhaps living alone or caring for an elderly spouse and, and, and hanging on uh, now has an illness, perhaps a fall and a hip fracture or a pneumonia, and families living away, the adult children working very hard, very busy, and when there is no plan in place, when the discussions about uh, what mom wants for herself, uh, who is making the decisions for mom when she can no longer make decisions for herself, where she will go when she leaves the hospital, if she can no longer live alone or live with her spouse, uh, those are enormous challenges, even independent of a person being in the hospital. And now mm-hmm. she's sick, and, and it, it can be very heartbreaking because it creates a tremendous amount of anxiety uh, and, uh, and turmoil and disruption for, for a family. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a case a few weeks ago where I had uh, two patients both very elderly people, and in in one case, the patient and her adult daughter had had the discussions. She had the pulsed form stating right there what her wishes were with her physician's, her longtime uh, physician's signature on it, and that was a document that communicated to me in addition to the conversation I had with the daughter and, and my patient about what she wished. And although... She wasn't happy to be in the hospital. She was not happy to be uh, suffering. The, the challenges of what are we going to do now had already been addressed in, in right. the form of her wishes. Mm-hmm. My other patient, 
although of a very advanced age, those conversations had not been had. Uh, there had not been advanced care planning. There was not a designated durable power of attorney to make decisions. So in addition to her illness, which was a pneumonia in this case, there was also all of the turmoil of what happens now. And, and, I, and it creates so much suffering for, for patients and also for families. I really, really, if I had one take-home message from this, it would be know your health insurance product and, and have the discussions. Do the advanced mm-hmm. care planning. When everybody's well, uh, it's hard. Right. It's not easy. They're not fun, but but the alternative the, is so much worse. The alternative is so much worse. It is so much worse. And uh, one of the things that I I tend to to say is that stress makes you stupid. <laughs> and and you know the the situations in which we find ourselves when we're in the hospital or we're ill or our loved one is ill those are stressful situations you know sometimes we we're called upon to make these decisions when we are least capable of thinking clearly and no one wants that right. no one wants that right. and, and i think also we all want to have a sense of personal empowerment and we all want to have a sense that whatever it is that we would want to have done for us is indeed done for us. Absolutely. And, and without the agree. discussions that you're talking about, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's much less likely to happen. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that expression, stress makes us stupid. <laughs> I think we've all experienced that. It, we all have. You know, I <laughs> mean, even in, in smaller things, but in, in a severe illness or hospitalization, like I say, even for ourselves or our loved ones, that's a really stressful time for most people. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to have to call upon our... What, what should be our highest level of skills and resources when we're least able to do so. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, and and uh, in your comments about the, the first lady that you were discussing, it reminds me of what one of the things you had said when we were talking uh, earlier was um, how people can live a beautiful, full, and meaningful life no matter what. And I think that the work that you're talking about allows people to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Absolutely. know, I'm sorry. I was going to say, one of the beautiful um, effects often of having the advanced care planning discussions well ahead of time is that it also creates a context for families to mm-hmm. discuss things that, they hadn't taken the time to discuss for many years because life is busy, because we are pulled in so many different directions. And I, I know from my personal experience and also from my patients that taking the time to do the advanced care planning and have the difficult dis- discussions often leads to, to healing within families. People mm-hmm. have the opportunity to share deep emotional um, perspectives that they may not otherwise, right. and, and it can be very, very beautiful. You know, family family tensions can be cleared. The, mm-hmm. the discussions that uh, that didn't happen for decades they sometimes happen. It, it really can be very lovely. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not mm-hmm. easy, but, it's it, not but easy. it can be very beautiful. Right, dealing with these complex issues. You're absolutely right. It's not easy, but it does seem to be so beneficial. 
And, you know, just I really liked what you said about living a beautiful, full, and meaningful life, no matter what. And okay. even if you have a week, you know, okay. or, or in this moment, do I have a beautiful, full, meaningful life in this moment? Yeah. And, and, and the more we can prepare ourselves as individuals and as families and, and as, as communities to be present in that time and not be overwhelmed by the stress of making some decisions, some of these decisions we discussed, uh, it, it allows people to be empowered for the time that they have. Right, right. I know for myself, my father passed away a few years ago, and um, he had... He had uh, congestive heart failure and he had been hospitalized uh, on and off on and off on and off multiple times and then finally he was um, transferred to hospice care and I have to say that was the most peaceful the most beneficial time to be together and he lived uh, maybe eight months or so after that transition and it was so much easier on everyone. He was comfortable. He was alert. You know, we were making, I think, the best, uh, the best we could of, of the situation. Mm-hmm. And it gave us time to be together, to uh, have a more relaxed and peaceful time together because we all knew what was happening. We didn't know when it was going to happen, right. but we all knew what was going to happen and we knew what would happen throughout the process. It was not a mystery. That's, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and, and I'm also, if we might talk a little bit about hospice and palliative mm-hmm. care, uh, I'm so glad that your family's experience was positive. It uh, really was, yes. Sometimes in my practice we encounter, I encounter patients who, when I mention hospice, they'll say, I had a, a very charming lady say to me the other day, oh, you know, that means I'm giving up. That, that means, Doc, that you've given up on me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I hear that all the time. That's not the first time I've heard that. And I think there is something of a perception of that uh, in the United States. But in fact, uh, hospice and or palliative care, which I can also describe a little bit, uh, is not about is not about giving up. It's about addressing the personal wishes. It's about staying at home, having time with loved ones, mm-hmm. having your symptoms, uh, whether it's shortness of breath or pain, uh, difficulty walking, having those symptoms managed and cared for at home and in in palliative care what we offer are uh, a layer of home care symptom management at home at the same time that a person may still be getting potentially curative and or aggressive therapies like chemotherapy radiation surgeries Mm -hmm. in hospice the difference is that you're still getting that level of support to help treat symptoms, but perhaps the curative therapies or the aggressive therapies um, are, are no longer being done. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the difference between palliative and hospice care. Mm-hmm. But in both cases, I think in the United States, we have a tremendous opportunity to take advantage of the increasing programs that offer these services so that people simply feel better and are able to stay home and not, as you say, flip back and forth out of the hospital. 
Right, and that in and of itself was so difficult. Um, you know, if you're ill, it's hard to get back and forth to the hospital, even if you're transported by emergency services. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's so uncomfortable. It takes a lot out of you. And fortunately, that all stopped and was replaced by a much higher level of comfort and um, and a lack of suffering. And I think that's what we all want and um, we're getting ready to take a, a another short break here and then um, when we come back we will be again discussing these complex difficult sometimes issues with Dr. Laurellen Green live up to your fullest potential this is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you, like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Are you looking to get unstuck from the rut that has seemingly become your life? Move ahead by tuning in to Psychopedia, life principles to help you get unstuck. Host Dr. Jeffrey Shaw and his guests will help with the encouragement you need to make that forward move. Guests include therapists, financial advisors, and more, as well as shared stories of hope from the listening audience. Psychopedia, life principles to help you get unstuck can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are visiting today with my guest, Dr. Laurelyn Green. And I want to start our last segment here by... Um, giving you an opportunity, Dr. Green, to tell people where they can find you. How can they get a hold of you if they if they want to follow up on any of the conversations we have had today? Thank you, Dr. Sanicola. It's, it's been wonderful to have this conversation. I think it's the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, opportunities both for individuals and uh, for our communities. Please feel free to reach me via email lgreen. L-G-R-E-E-N at memorialcare.org and uh, I'd be eager to continue these conversations. This is 
I feel very engaged in this work and very honored to be uh, part of this work, both with my individual patients and also with the community and, and the nation at large. Thank you so much, and I appreciate your making time for us today. I know how busy your schedule is, so I appreciate the uh, time you were able to to share with us, and also the the messages that you have, and and how important it is to for all of us to take more responsibility for our own health care and our health care decisions. And um, you know, as we were talking in that last segment, it, it made me more aware of the the idea that for me personally I'm not big on that suffering thing mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it's helpful um, so whether it's physical suffering that can be uh, alleviated by hospice care or it's emotional suffering that can be alleviated by taking the time to do the advanced work to to discuss one's personal goals for medical care or just for finding out what does a deductible mean and how do I know if I have one on my policy. <laughs> I think all of those things, if they're not tended to, it results in suffering, either for yourself or for the family and whether it's an elderly person or I, I know in my practice I see children. So sometimes people are trying to make difficult decisions about seeing that their child can get adequate care and they have no idea what's covered. Right. So I really uh, I really thank you for the information you've shared with us and I hope that it does indeed reduce suffering. Absolutely, Linda. I, I, Dr. Sanicola, I, I completely agree. Uh, the opportunity to have the advanced care discussions and to know what our health insurance product covers, it, it, it seems uh, kind of brass tacks, but as you say, it really can yield uh, great relief uh, across time for people. Right, absolutely. And um, do you have any take-home message for us today? Is there anything else you'd like to sum up and, and make certain that we can understand today? Uh, I, I think, as, a, as, I, as I did say, that uh, on the Internet there are resources uh, about this. Addressing these things with your primary care physician or the, the physician that you most trust is also a resource for learning more about advanced care discussions uh, as well as your health care plan. You know, I think you said something so valuable when you said um, the person you most trust. Because I think that's one of the things um, that people are worried about in the in the new transition to uh, affordable care is that they will lose some of those relationships, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I think most of us think that they're pretty critical to be able to to it, it is critical to be able to sit down and ask difficult questions with somebody that you of somebody that you trust. And Ab- absolutely. And that continuity of care, being able to continue to have the relationship with your physician, is always central uh, in all of the efforts to improve uh, care, improve access to care, improve care coordination. But that primary relationship with your trusted physician, that's really uh, at the heart and soul of, of, of health care and will, will be preserved. And I, I think that it's probably useful for people to hear from you as a hospitalist today, because I know when hospitalists first were becoming more uh, common in hospitals, mm-hmm. patients would ask, well, where's my doctor? Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, <laughs> who's this person, and why am I seeing Dr. Green and not my regular doctor? Absolutely, it was con- and yeah. I can speak to that um, briefly. Uh, I am the representative. I am your doctor when you are in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have access to his or her records. I'm speaking to him or her on the phone. I am coordinating the care when you do come home. Uh, I'm also speaking to other specialists who may be part of the team. Uh, that does represent a big change in American mm-hmm. health care. Most primary care doctors don't come into the hospital anymore, you know. Right. Uh, the, the, the old model where the same doc who delivered you as a baby you know, <laughs> is caring for you. It's a beautiful right. model. Um, but now as a hospitalist, I am your doctor, your mm-hmm. primary doctor, your, your trusted doctor uh, in the hospital. And although you don't know me, and there's a new trust relationship that has to be built, uh, in organizations where this is really working well, that communication and the sharing of the medical records uh, is is occurring. I would add also that it's not just the physicians. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the our service where you have the the after hospital one hour visit with the multidisciplinary team with the pharmacist and nurse practitioner and social work, and it really is communication among all of us. Uh, on the healthcare team that create the kind of warm arms that can wrap around people and and make that transition, the hospital care, and then the transition back home as as smooth and as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. And we will see more of more of that, more and more of that in American healthcare. That it's not just the docs that are doing mm-hmm. the work, but mm-hmm. all the members of the of the care and the caring team. Mm-hmm. And and I think you just some of the things you just said were so important. And even if people just hear your words when you say I am your doctor, and you know I know you don't know me, but we will build a trusting relationship and we will wrap you in those warm arms. I mean, there's such beautiful words with a beautiful sentiment. And if people can hear those, they'll feel better. You know, they'll relax. I agree. I agree. You know. You know, and that's what makes the difference. And again, it it reduces the level of of distress mm-hmm. um, when they're hurting, you know, physically, or they're sick, or they're in pain, whatever it may be. So, we 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 need more like you. <laughs> Thank so. you. That's that's very kind. I, I consider it a great privilege to be a physician and uh, a great privilege to care for people when they are ill in the hospital. You know, I've chosen that as my area of specialty. And uh, I find it very, very moving, uh, very satisfying. It's very challenging work, um, and we certainly can continue to get better. I think, I think there are many opportunities to, to improve the, the experience of being in the hospital or the, to smooth the transition home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Th- as you said, to, to minimize suffering when we can. Right. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed our conversation today. I appreciate your time. And next week, my guest will again be Dr. Jeanette Freeman, the Spiritual Director of Soul Center Orange County, when we begin the first of three conversations about being your best actual steps that everyone can take to move life forward. And we will start with meditation. And I leave you today with the words of Calvin Coolidge. Knowledge comes 
but wisdom lingers. It may not be difficult to store up in the mind a vast quantity of facts within a comparative short time, but the ability to form judgments requires the severe discipline of hard work and the tempering heat of experience and maturity. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week. Thank you.